Hello, and welcome again to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm Richard Chrisman, one of the leaders of Forefront, and I'm very excited to bring this conversation to your ears. Joining me is Mike McDonald from the organization The Bible Project. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, great to be here, Rich. Thanks so much. Would you explain to uh, some of our listeners here, which might not be familiar yet, uh, who are you and what is The Bible Project? Yeah, gosh. So I'm Mike. It's super simple. Um, We live out here in Portland, Oregon, which is where kind of Bible Project started. It's where our main kind of head office is. Um, I give leadership to kind of two different areas, Um, our global focus team, which is all the things that we're doing in different languages, and then our strategic relationships team, which is all of our kind of partnerships and relationships with organizations and folks around the world. And uh, Canadian kid, grew up in Canada, moved down to the States about 17 years ago here in Portland, Um, owned and operated restaurants, which is what brought me down to the States. And then from there, got into nonprofit work and um, yeah, kind of went from there and then joined the Bible Project about three years ago. So, and the Bible Project, for those that don't know, because um, there are probably a bunch of listeners that have no idea who we are, we're a nonprofit animation studio, and um, which basically means we make cartoons about Jesus for the internet. Uh, and we, um, our aim and mission is to help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. And so, uh, and we just happen to do that through uh, animation videos and podcasts and apps and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. We're so glad that you do. I can say from personal experience, I kind of stumbled across Bible Project videos probably, I don't know, maybe around two years ago. And in I'm someone that grew up in the church, but the way that, um, you know, I've interacted with the Bible in different ways, like, you know, graphic novels. And I mean, the text itself, the graphic novels, all sorts of things. Yeah. And um, through many videos on the Bible Project, different genres of videos that you guys have, I have, there are multiple aspects specifically in the Old Testament, that I feel like I understand strictly because of what the Bible Project has put out there, which is you so... You awesome. and me both. And pretty <laughs> much, I mean, the reality is, is that we make these videos for ourselves. It's so funny. It's a product that we actually consume as, you know, people that work at the Bible Project. Like all of us are in that place where, you know, regardless of what our faith journey is, we definitely have a desire to understand the Bible more. And so we're all consumers of it. It's, it's, it's like we... You know, we definitely consume our own product for sure. That's great. All right. Before we get too far in, I got to go with the Forefront 360 interview custom and give you a lightning round. Okay. I can handle it. This is like one of those like Vogue magazine 50 questions with yeah, whoever. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much. yeah, yeah. Got it. We're going to make a little, you know, trendy YouTube video. I'll do a little tour of my house and yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. So for those of you, it might be your first episode. We're going to ask Mike a bunch of short questions with short answers just to help us get to know each other before we get into the meat here. All right, Mike. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Oh, man. Uh, Genesis. Okay. What is your favorite place you have ever been? Uh, Northern Iraq, uh, Kurdistan area. Wow. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite place you've ever lived? Ooh. Portland. I love Portland. It's become my home for sure. So. Good. Good. Do you have a favorite style of art? Ooh. This is going to be, I work at an art studio and. Uh, Norman Rockwell. I grew up, I loved like the realism of Norman Rockwell and the family pictures and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. I love that. I have, uh, my parents have a set of mugs, who knows how old they are with Norman Rockwell diner paintings on them. Totally. I loved all of that. As a kid, it was weird. Like when I was like eight years old, I had, you know, Saturday evening post magazines up on my wall. I don't know why, but I was into that. Good stuff. Um, who is your favorite musical artist? If you have one. 
Uh, the correct answer is Bon Jovi. So, I, and it's a, probably a bit of a confession as well as an answer, but um, I just grew up on Bon Jovi. So big fan. That's great. What's the, uh, the Bon Jovi song for you? The, the Apex song? Oh man, there's so many. I'd say anything on New Jersey um, or Slippery When Wet. I mean, both of those albums were were phenomenal. I mean, Living on a Prayer, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. is Can't is kind of the anthem. But there's lots of lots of others. Yeah, yeah. Dead or Alive, Young Guns, the whole. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. All right. One last question for you. What's your favorite color? Ooh, um, blue. Okay. I don't know. If that's just super gender. <laughs> gender specific but i don't know i just i like blue i've always liked blue i'm a black if you i'm in black and white right now which you can see and i would say if you looked at everything i'm wearing is like johnny cash black so i'm not a big big color guy in general but um yeah if i was forced into it hey we could debate it but i'd I'd say black is a color too well then i'll choose black i feel like i've done that before people like black is not a color and i'm like of course it is it has to be yeah for sure all right good stuff so let's let's move into the questions here. I'm excited. Um, so I know that you are a former pastor, and I know that you've traveled all over the world, working, doing lots of different kingdom work. Uh, could you, you know, kind of break out and tell us a little bit more about your story, uh, how you got started, and how you got to the Bible Project now? Yeah. So I came down. I think I said in the beginning um, with a restaurant company into Portland, uh, but I started going to a church here in town that had just gotten planted called the Magaday Community. Um, befriended a guy named Donald Miller, who you know was writing some books at that point, and uh, we started a nonprofit together called the Mentoring Project that was helping kids that were growing up without dads, helping the church really respond to the crisis of fatherlessness. And that was my entry into kind of the nonprofit world and, and, you know, getting that started and seeing some of the, my business skills could, could help work in, in some of those areas. Uh, from there, I got a job at a church here in town that was also just getting planted by um, John Mark Comer and Phil Comer, um, Solid Rock, and then Bridgetown. And so I did all of the global work for Bridgetown. Uh, which was through something called Hear the Cry, which was our uh, orphan care, refugee care, um, anti-human trafficking work here in the city of Portland and around the world. So that brought me to a bunch of different countries as we did that work. And then I also worked with um, a guy named Bob Goff uh, doing something called Love Does. And so we did a lot of work in Uganda and Afghanistan and Iraq and some of these places. So Bob and I would often travel together to you know, kind of my organization and his organization kind of co-labor and do some of this work. Um, it's just so much better to do things together as opposed to apart. Right. So um, so that's what brought me around the world and kind of doing a bunch of that work. Bible Project, um, I knew uh, John Collins and Tim uh, through being here in Portland. John was, John attended Imago, so I knew him, you know, for probably the last 17 years. And uh, so when they started Bible Project, um, I just started taking the content with me everywhere that I would go. If I was in Zimbabwe, I'm showing, you know, English videos. And as I'm, you know, traveling around, I just loved being able to share the content with pastors and and, uh, church leaders and different folks. And then they started getting to a place where they wanted to grow globally and and asked if I would come join the team. So that that brings me here. And I'm humbled to, you know, get to be a part of this just crazy thing. I feel like I've just got a small fingerprint on it but it's it's really fun to be a part of it for sure yeah that's fantastic so for for listeners uh john and tim are the people whose voices you most likely hear when you watch the videos yeah um, so for that connection which is pretty cool but um that is 
so from my vantage point, it seems like the Bible project is exploding right now, like just expanding so different avenues of videos. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff. I know um, Bible project is starting or, or has started kind of like an online theology course yeah. program yeah. and um, also the international scope. So are, yeah. are you kind of the, the point man for like the international growth? Man, I would never say I'm the point man for the growth, but I, oh. I do have the privilege of stewarding um, what we do with it. And I think that it's really God's kind of taking it and just making it grow faster than we could ever imagine. It, it, we're not smart enough to have, have done what <laughs> done what we've done. You know, we yeah. we definitely just made some videos and put them up on YouTube. But from there, it's definitely, like you said, expanded. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's expanded outside of just videos. You know, we we do podcasts and that was really um kind of an afterthought as well. Like we were already having these conversations about the videos in order to make them. So the way that a video is made is John and Tim sit down and Tim tries to teach John something about the Bible, whatever it is. So it might be an overview of a book. It might be a theme. It might be whatever. And then John is basically asking all those questions. And those are live. Those are real questions. That's not scripted. That's not thought up. It's not like, you know, where you've got an idea of where the show is going to go. This is very much like Tim shows up to teach John. And that might be one podcast, but it might be 10 podcasts. It might take that long to get to a place where John's like, okay, I got it. Like, let's, you know, and then they write a script and then a video gets made. So we just started hitting at some point record on those conversations because we just felt like maybe there's a few Bible nerds that would want to be listening to this conversation in the background. Yeah. Um, You know, and nowhere, no way did we think it was going to be like a million downloads a month or whatever it is now um, of folks that are listening into these conversations about theology and uh, and then that just continued to grow. Now I feel like we've transitioned from just an animation studio to this ed tech company where mm-hmm. we're trying to really help people understand the Bible's unified story, at least to Jesus. But we're doing that through whether it's podcasts, videos, Bible studies, this thing called classroom, which you were talking about, which is a yeah. completely free online seminary with like Tim and others teaching through 18 hours of content, you know, um, and uh, we've got an app coming out in January that we've been working on for almost three years and, and, you know, we're really excited of launching that into the wild. So there's just, yeah, there's lots that we've yeah. got our hands in, um, but all very narrowly focused in helping people experience the Bible's unified story, at least of Jesus. So right. um, that, yeah, we just keep kind of doing that. That's such good work on the podcast. This summer I spent uh, a bunch of time renovating the kitchen in my house and uh, while I was doing multiple coats of paint on uh, cabinet doors, I was listening to the Bible Project podcast. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And one thing that really uh, has drawn me to it is just the fact that you guys are tackling a lot of, especially on the podcast, a lot of aspects of just scripture and the nature of God and his relationship to people throughout history in ways that, you know, a lot of pastors wouldn't ever you know go that deep on a sunday morning you know like really breaking down um at multiple different layers these stories like i'm thinking of ones that uh i spent so much time just thinking about the genesis discussions yeah like there's so much in genesis your favorite book of the bible but yeah it's it's good stuff probably because of tim to be honest you know it's probably <laughs> because you know you can't do anything with the bible project without <laughs> going to genesis right right um, so i'm sure that's part of it um but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it is. Listen, the other thing is that we, we've got the we're not a church. And so mm-hmm. we, we don't actually 
we get to have these big theological discussions of where the rubber meets the road for us as, as humans with a ton of vulnerability because we're not at a place, you know, where we're a church where there's sometimes expectations on pastors to have the answers. Right. You know, I think one of the things that John just does so beautifully um, and has been a pastor and is a pastor in the sense of like, what does the word even a pastor mean? It's not a title that, you know, you, you some nonprofit gave you. It's it's a it's a it's a way of being. It's kind of a calling in that sense. And so I'd say John is is definitely a pastor in that sense, but he has the pr- the the ability to be able to ask questions and that you and me have. But maybe you're afraid to ask because we're leaders in the church. And so we got to have the answers. And so right. there's a ton of pressure on, on. I've got a lot of empathy for pastors um, that are in that place. Um, I also think that it's a bit of a calling, though, for us to help create a healthy place of not knowing the answer. Like it's OK yeah. to ask questions. And I think that's one thing John does so beautifully is is with a lot of humility goes, man, that makes no sense. Or like, what do you mean angels don't have wings? Every single movie I've seen angels have, like, where is that coming from? We couldn't ask that as pastors. It would feel like we don't know our Bible well enough. And John's creating a very healthy place for us to go, no, that's okay. Like we, it's a big book. It's going to take a life. You know, you've got a guy like Tim who knows fluent Hebrew and has spent his like last 20 years of his life. All he's doing is studying the Bible and he's still learning stuff every single day. So for us yeah. to, you know, think that we're outside of that type of learning would just be um, egocentric and, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but, but I, I feel it and I, I get it. I get the, the feelings that pastors have around that. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things too, that I've really enjoyed is the, the tackling of just, like you said, the angels, uh, what do you mean? Angels don't have wings. Like there's a series in the uh, on the YouTube channel on spiritual beings, yeah, and just like getting into these, like a lot of times I think when we do biblical studies, especially at like a elementary level, let's say we kind of gloss over some of the more like weird, you know, uh, countercultural yeah. pieces of, especially in the Old Testament and in like Revelation, and uh, it's you know it's awesome to see you guys just diving into that. Yeah, I think part of the reason, again, we get to do it with a lot of humility and a lot of just like, come learn this together. You know, it's by no means or is, you know, are we experts as Tim and I mean, we're just we're we're diving into cultural context and and helping people understand it. But I think you if we're not asking the questions, we're ignorant on to what questions people actually have, because we're all thinking that. Like, I know when I read Revelation, I'm just like, this is weird. Like, what do you what do you mean? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, reading you know, things about spiritual beings that in our American context just makes no sense. What's mm-hmm. wild is though, around the world, you go to India and they're just like, well, yeah, of course you talk about spiritual beings. That's just, that's, that's what we live every day. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, topic for sure. But if it's in the Bible, we want to be able to talk about it because yeah. it's there for a reason. You know, it's not a, it is not a like willy nilly book that just people wrote a bunch of words down. What we're noticing and what you see is the threads that every single word is chosen with such intentionality um, and has so many threads from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So it's just neat finding those design patterns and going like, oh my gosh, that's what that was talking about. Amen. So so talking specifically about the videos, so as, as you've said already, the Bible Project focusing on illuminating the Bible as what it is, the unified story that leads to Jesus, um, in, in the videos the videos are animated, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, in an animation studio, what brought you guys or, you know, the organization to understanding or choosing animation as the best way to kind of communicate or accompany scripture? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, where Tim 
after, so John and Tim went to Multnomah. They went to Bible college together. That's where they met. They were friends. Um, after Bible college, they kind of split up and Tim went full Bible nerd route. So like went and got his master's and then his doctorate and learned Hebrew and moved to Israel and like came back and is a professor of Hebrew literature. And I mean, he's just gone full on, you know, John went more the business route and ended up starting a couple different studios, <coughs> excuse me, a couple different studios making what we call explainer videos. But he was doing this for like Google and Apple and like big companies that had complex thoughts and ideas that needed to be communicated in a simple way for the masses. And so if you remember when yeah. Google came out with um, cloud computing, this whole idea of like your stuff in the cloud. First time you hear about that, it makes no sense. You're like, I don't understand what cloud computing is. They right. call John in and John flies up to Seattle and spends time with their developers and their people and gets a ton of information to figure out what is this that they're talking about. And then actually made them like two and three minute and 30 second commercials using animation because that was a way that you could explain things, complex things, as opposed to just a talking head. I mean, sure. people just watching me and you talk is not that interesting. You know, at yeah. some point you kind of check it's out. It's easy to tune out. Yeah. But if you can use, you know, images and art and different things that kind of turn our minds on to learning and even unique things that are very difficult in a 3D way to describe, like the Holy Spirit. But with animation, it's amazing how you can use imagery and complex, you know, meta like all the different ways of, of communicating. So I think John just found that animation worked really well to explain complex ideas in a simplified way. And um, when Bible Project was started, it was started with that intent. And so that's why we started with animation. One, it's just not interesting to watch talking heads. Two, you can really, you know, map out some really cool things using art. Um, three, learning styles, the ability to actually remember and retain information. We're mostly visual learners. We're starting to learn that a lot in school and how right. many of us are visual learners. And, um, you know, you've heard like a picture's worth a thousand words. And you just think about that when you've watched one of those Bible Project videos. I can remember stuff way better with the visual I have in my head versus just watching Tim explain explain it, you know? So definitely. That was some of the reasons for it. Um, I wish it was way smarter that we just knew all of this. And, you know, I think it was just how we started and it worked and people continued to want to be a part of the project. So we kept doing it. Well, it's working because when I uh, think about certain books, like, you know, when I think about if someone is like, what happens in the book of First Peter? I think about the video where, you know, it looks like an expo board, you know, right. and the, the book is being delineated in these sections and everything. I picture that stuff in my head when I go through like, oh, what was Peter saying in First Peter? So right. I'm a high school teacher. So the the teaching tools really jump out to me. So pretty absolutely. Awesome. Well, and that's an I mean, that's also the way that we approach the Bible is at the Bible Project is we believe that there are these design patterns in every single book and then throughout the whole scriptures. And so the way that Tim reads first Peter is he just knows like, here's the three sections and here's what's going on in three sections. The first one mirrors the third one. And the middle section is this like, you know, like he, sure. that's the way that he kind of understands the layout of, of how things are, are being communicated. And so, yeah, it just makes sense visually to break it up in that way. Yeah. So I, I really connected with what you were saying earlier and I had never thought about it before, but now it just seems so clear. The, one of the reasons I think where why Bible Project videos are so kind of approachable and comfortable is because they remind me of not only like those Google how-to videos, but they remind me of TED-Ed videos. Mm. Um, and I think that that is uh, 
one of the reasons why I've been so comfortable sharing Bible Project stuff with all people at all different levels of interest in the Bible because they are just so easy to follow. Uh, But with sacrificing no depth, you know, which is just so cool. I mean, I'm glad that you, I mean, it does take a ton of work. If you can imagine one of those scripts, I mean, it is actually more, it's more complex and hard to say things with fewer words. That's actually really difficult. It's easier to say things with a lot of words. Um, And so when we take an hour long podcast or a 10 hour long podcast broken up to make one five minute video, there's a lot of editing that has to go into place. And so, um, but it is true. It's, it's a, it's a very difficult process, but you do end up with like every word matters in one of those five minute videos. Like there's no word or tone that is um, not thought out Mm -hmm. in how we're doing it. So, so how long does it take to make a video? Like when you guys are, you know, start to finish. Everyone's a little different, but I would say it's generally three to six months, um, depending wow. on depending on the video. Um, probably closer to six months if you're talking about from infancy of like the idea to Tim studying and and creating the the kind of working document that he's then going to teach Tim or teach John in the podcast, recording the podcast, giving that to a um, then writing the script from that. And then giving the script to a storyboard artist who's going to storyboard, probably take a few weeks to storyboard out the script. Then that gets handed to the illustration team who start illustrating each of those kind of story blocks. That gets given to an animator to make all the pieces move and make everything else. You got sound design that goes into that. You've got the VO for Tim and John doing the voiceover to do it all and the timing and then the package. And then it's then it's released. But yeah, from start to finish, it's, you know could be six months some of our videos took longer than that for sure wow yeah i'm just like wowed by it like so are you guys working on multiple videos at once yeah yeah, yeah we because so. we produce you know on average a video every three to four weeks you know somewhere around that and so we we're making anywhere from 12 to 15 videos a year wow um but if they all take three to six months you've got to have five ish videos working at any given time at different stages um, which is what we have going on every now and then we do like an Avengers unite and everybody's working on the same project <laughs> um, with like right now we're on a, a amazing series on the Sermon on the Mount. And mm. it's something that we're going to be probably doing 10 videos all in a row on, which means everybody's kind of like all hands on deck kind of working on that. Awesome. Sometimes we actually outsource with certain studios that we work super closely with, but we might contract because we've got about 20 artists full-time that work for mm-hmm. us but sometimes projects just end up being bigger or need more work and so we might contract out you know a certain project with a, a, a team that we trust we're still doing the storyboarding and the scripts and everything else but the illustration animation might get outsourced yeah cool well so here at forefront we discuss uh, on the podcast we got the intersection of art and christian faith and as forefront festival as an organization we enjoy hovering around what we call um, excellent art and authentic mm-hmm. faith which we absolutely see in you guys. Hmm. And our kind of um, overarching goal is to help creators create in light of their creator. Yeah. So when I think about great art and authentic faith, you guys pop to mind right away. So, but to my knowledge, the Bible project doesn't yet have a video specifically or a series specifically on like a theology of art. So unless I'm mistaken. Nope. No, we don't. So do you guys as an organization have kind of a definite message on, 
what God has revealed in the Bible, how he feels about art, or is there kind of a approach that you guys have toward that? I mean, obviously working with artists and using art as a medium. Gosh, I mean, I would say that we have a definite theology on doing things well, mm-hmm. and we'd rather we would rather do things like we'd rather do one thing really well than 50 things kind of mediocre, um, whether that's art, whether that's teaching, theology, whatever. I would say that we, you know, we'll take our time and and the first videos, you know, how this whole thing started was very much in that realm. And we believed that good art and good communication would be rewarded with a, a group of people that would want more of that right, art, you know? Right. Uh, and that's why the whole thing has started basically like in a patron type model. You know, we have patrons that basically fund this project so that we can give it away for free. Very similar to the original art kind of world where patrons would fund the arts and they would fund right. the the Leonardo's and the Michelangelo's and the, you know, incredible artists that we we know today. We're all funded by patrons. They they lived often for free in like a little housing and people would, you know, provide them with the paint materials that they needed and everything else. They might even commission them for a certain piece that would fund their lifestyle. Essentially, that's what we're doing. We're just saying the crowd is are the patrons of the Bible Project. And we believed that if we created good products that people needed and wanted, that more people would want to get involved and we could create yeah. more more and more imagery. So we definitely obviously care about art. We hire the best artists that we can possibly find from all over the place. Um, and we develop and we we pour into those artists to continue to learn and and learn different styles and and get excited about that. So I would say that we have a deep care for for art. Um, and I don't know if there will be a video on, on God and, and art. Um, we definitely see it throughout church history and we definitely see it throughout the history that often Christians led the arts movement. I mean, we've led technology even for a long time, you know, the printing press was to reprint the Bible in, in multiple, you know, uh, copies. And so I feel like we do, we do have a responsibility in my mind to continue to push the envelope on good communication and good creativity and investing in um, those types of things for sure. And I can see it throughout the scripture. I mean, God is a creator and he made us in his image, Yamago Day. And so we were created to create. And that happens in a lot of different ways. Some of it's through art, some of it's through music, some of it's through building buildings or architecture or, right. you know, all of those. But but it's all a reflection of God, the creator. And so um, we're just honing in on one of those, one of those things. Yeah, that's great. I really think that one of the things that would benefit, yeah, you touched on so many things here. The fact that um, when Forefront was founded in 2015, one of the first things we ever kind of like discussed at a Forefront festival was the idea that um, Christians, and we were called Forefront because of the idea that Christians used to be at the forefront of art and design. Right. You know, and and we were kind of asking ourselves the question, like, what what happened there? Yeah. You know, and there's and there's obviously so many things, you know, political, social, all sorts of things that occurred. But we we definitely think that one of the reasons why is because Christian artists, you know, I know this is a nebulous term, but Christian artists as a whole um, maybe stopped focusing on excellence. Hmm. And, you know, things that are excellent, regardless of their um, kind of intention or or their nature are attractive to people. Excellence is attractive. Right. You know, and I think that the um, that 
marriage of, you know, if we want to create art, you know, art is glorifying to God when it's excellent, whether it was intended to glorify God or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that the, uh, as, as Christians, people with authentic faith who are creatives and we're thinking to ourselves, like, how, how can I use my gifts, my passions to, you know, like directly benefit the kingdom? Right. Uh, do the, you know, my answer to that is do the best you can, you know, yeah. continue to um, immerse yourself in the patterns of the, the, tr- the ultimate creator, you know, who shows us how to create, you know, yeah. and then keep working. And I think you guys have been, uh, at least to me, you guys have just been a, and remain a model of how that can be done both on like a, you know, individual level and as a, a corporation, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, I think, and it, I, I, it's, I don't think it's just wordsmith. I think part of the demise or part of the issue is that we went from having artists that happen to be Christian to having some sort of category called Christian art or yeah, like Christian music or Christian um, movies right. as opposed mm-hmm. to movies that are made with Christians or a Christian message or whatever, but they're just movies. And we, we somehow like started categorizing and then it became a market that people could make mm-hmm. money off of. And yes. so then it became, we just need to get more content into this market so that we can create this economic engine of, of whatever that is. And then I think right. that flooded the market with a bunch of really just junk uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, wasn't necessarily made with excellence. And of course, in the secular world, you're going to find junk that's not made with excellence too. But, sure. um, you know, I think we, yeah, we just need to, I just, I just wish we had more musicians that were just Christians as opposed yeah. to, you know, Christian music or whatever that genre is. And so, um, yeah. and on, you know, it's true. You, you brought a point and this is totally off topic, but you know, uh, the, the grail story of King Arthur Mm. was actually written by somebody who was um, the the main ones that we know of, which are written by Chaucer. He was paid by a monk to write about the Arthur story in the form of a narrative that would bring redemption and bring people to Jesus. Right. And so he was, he was actually hired by a monk because that's what we, that, that was, it was like, let's have great, amazing literature out there that are going to bring people to the big questions of the universe and bring people to Jesus. And this was to combat the romance era because all these books were starting to get written. Uh, Anyways, long story, but I I totally get it. It's totally there. I'm with you. Um, And I think we just need to keep, you know, diving deep. And thankfully, Bible Project, one of the things is we don't charge for anything. So it actually Mm -hmm. isn't an economic engine for us. If people stop giving, we'll stop doing the work. It's just the way that that's just, that's going to be okay. Currently people seem to find the work helpful. And so we'll keep making it, but we're not selling it. And it allows us to stay pretty pure. And if we're not okay with a video, we will not post it. Even if it's like our week to launch, we'll hold off. And we've done it many times. We're like, we don't feel great about this. We're missing this one thing, or, you know, the climax is coming at the wrong moment in the video, or we're not resolving this thing that we started. All those things are going to impact us deciding if we're going to launch a video or not. And we've definitely held off. Our justice video went back to the drawing board like 10 times and it got delayed months and months and months and months because it just wasn't ready. And, um, and, but we can do that because we don't have a client saying, I need this video out tomorrow. You know, we can just tell our audience, all right, we'll post it when it's ready. I think you're speaking a lot of encouragement to our listeners right now. I think a lot of us have been in that 
position. I mean, even us as Forefront making this podcast or facilitating our blog or even like the festivals that we do, there have been a lot of times where we've been sitting around a table, you know, the team and being like, should we like we're on this schedule, we're trying to release these things or have this thing up at this time, but it's just not there. What should we do? And I think that, and while we haven't been perfect with that, uh, I think that it has leaned in the positive when we would, I'd rather wait until something is really right, you know, to, to put it out, than worry about the engine. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Another thing just before it flies too far from me, another thing you touched on that really, uh, resonated with me is the fact that uh, a lot of times I think historically we have kind of separated artists from everybody else, you know, like, like who is an artist and who is, you know, a something else, a craftsman or whatever you call it. And I think that one of the other things that we see, um, I mean, if we really have a biblical or Christian historic Christian worldview, there is no line between artist and some other creative, you know, and I think that the, um, that there's just so much baggage with the term artist, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, like our, our listeners are largely artists themselves or at least lovers of art. Right. And we all see this creativity as eternally important work as its participation with God in his complete work and redemption of creation. That's you know, right. As so many videos I've learned from so many yeah. other videos, but, but that being said, the, there is much more, um, we kind of fight the fight, like is art, is painting, is music and stuff like that. Is it important? Is it essential? And setting that discussion aside, from the artist's perspective, all of those participations with God's redemptive and creative work are essential. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I give a, a rousing amen to everybody that is doing the work um, behind the scenes work in general, you know, or things that are not. You know, if you're out there, if you're a listener and you are, you have a passion for something, you produce something and it's not something that maybe would be traditionally defined as art. That is no less creative or eternal or participant as any other thing. So, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, in our consumeristic kind of world that we live in, we often only think about it from the consumer side versus the actual creating side. And right. there is something that's really important as we create that we're actually stepping into this crazy God conversation, allowing us to actually emote. And that whether that's through poetry, whether that's through writing, whether that's through art, whether that's through talking, praying, I mean, whatever. I think sometimes I think, well, I'm not a good singer, so I'm not an, I'm not a singer, but it's like, I still might sing. It might be the thing that I need to do. It might not be right. for anybody else to hear it but that I'm going to emote in this way because it's how I need to express myself and, and allow God to hear that. And, and I think God delights in that. Um, you know, I think that's why it says we're in the Psalms, you know, that make a joyful noise. It's not a joyful song. It's like literally like (laughs) just be a noise. If you can make a noise and, and, you know, honor God, then, then he is delighted in that noise. And I think it's the same thing with, with all the different types of forms of art and creativity. And David, uh, you know, the psalmist is out there dancing in the courtyard and his his wife shaking her head, but uh, it was pleasing to the Lord. So That's right. That's Good right. Stuff. So uh, we're almost out of time here, but I want to ask uh, anybody who's been listening this far, if you haven't um, engaged with the Bible Project yet, I'm going to ask Mike, where, where would be a good place for someone who isn't familiar with the Bible Project to start? Do you have a recommendation? And there's a, there's a few different key places to find our stuff. One is just our website, bibleproject.com, easy to find. Um, 
it's got all of our stuff is on there. Um, and if it's a, a great place to start would just be, you know, if, if you're reading through the Bible, you can start with one of the books of the Bible, you know, or one of our theme videos or, you know, a series if you're in the middle of wanting to start a series or what have you. But yeah, our website is obviously a great place. You'll find everything on there. Um, if you've got the version app on your phone and you use it to, you know, read, keep up with reading the Bible, our stuff is all in there. There's a little button if you're just in the scripture, let's say you're in Matthew, in the top left-hand corner, there's a little like compass. And if you hit that, our video pops up as a explainer video to help people read that book. And so I would say if you're in version, just use that explore button. If you didn't know it existed, there you go. And there's tons of really neat resources in that space. What an awesome partnership. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we're, you know, we don't really have a lot of partnerships, but I would say version would be the only one. Part of it is because, again, they're free and they're just trying to help people read the Bible in all different languages. And so um, that allows us to really be synced up with with them because we have a similar um, mission and, and vision and love, you know, Bobby and Brian and the team over there. Um, and then YouTube is probably the other main one that most people find our stuff on. And YouTube's a great one to share with others because everyone already is used to watching YouTube videos. It's not a weird thing to get sent to YouTube. Um, It's a little more, you know, instead of being sent to some Bible site, you know, you're you're going to YouTube. And and often people find that really, really helpful. Um, And it suggests other videos that if you like this one, you know, you could watch this one. So, Oh, yeah, you can go on that, you know. That hours long YouTube train, just yeah. keep watching videos. It's, just, yeah, it's, it's like so Wikipedia good. where you're just like, bing, bing, bing. Oh, yeah. 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 But yeah, I, uh, I personally recommend, you know, watch Bible Project wherever you can. But if you, uh, if you want to, if you have the time, sit and watch it on your TV because the animations mm. are so beautiful. You know, it's, there's something about seeing them, you know, yeah. on, you know, full size. That's yeah. great. We're on like Apple TV and all those. You can totally just watch it on YouTube or you can just actually download the Apple TV app and it's got all of our videos on there and go to town. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for talking with me today. Um, we at Forefront, we're so thankful for the work that you and the whole team at Bible Project is continuously doing to make the Bible accessible and frankly, uh, easier and visually beautiful to consume. So just thanks for all that. Uh, You guys, listeners, can go to BibleProject.com, like Mike said, or just search them on YouTube or even Instagram to connect. And uh, consider, if you're a little bit, uh, you know, maybe higher up there, consider taking the online theology classes in Classroom. Um, You can connect with us at Forefront Festival by subscribing to this podcast, following at Forefront Festival on Facebook, or at Forefront Fest on Twitter and Instagram. As always, listeners, keep striving for excellent art and authentic faith. Until next time.